0: It's So good, so good to be together on Easter week, and welcome to Generations Christian Church. I, I, it's real excited because the punchline—it's just a great. It's here. It is. Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is the most beautiful thing, and he's never been created. Jesus is the creator, so there's never been a, a point in human history where he wasn't being beautiful. He's just always been beautiful. But in full honesty. Beautiful is not a word that I use a lot in just my regular language. I will, I will tell my wife Jennifer that she's beautiful. I'll say that it's very appropriate. I'll say, but what I don't say to like maybe my 15 year old son, Aiden. Hey, Aiden, your Nikes, your Nikes, your tennis shoes—they're beautiful. It's just for me and my language. It's not it doesn't not roll off the tongue that that often, right? It's like beautiful, but it's it's so appropriate that Jesus is. Beautiful. There is something in the beauty of who our creator is that pulls us. And I think I have to admit that there's a lot of my life that is spent, maybe most of my life, that is spent in going after things. That are beautiful. I can tell when something has got this value, this beauty value to it, and, and when it doesn't. If you walked in today and you're, you come to church here on Easter weekend, if you're online, I just want to let you know for everyone that was here, as they were coming in, they saw kind of around the building some things that I think are just holistically beautiful. They're, they're intelligently designed, and there's some great attribute of beauty about them. We had a, a Ford truck. I think that's beautiful. We had tractors. That's beautiful. Okay, uh, we looked for, uh, you know, we, we, we tried to find all, we got a Harley. A Harley is beautiful. We got roses everywhere. We've got Fender guitars. I think a Rocky Patel 99 or an Andalusian Bull. That is beautiful. There's all kinds of things that I see that and I'm like, that is beautiful. I'm drawn to it. Battlestar Galactica. It's beautiful, right? There are these things that as we start to talk about it a little bit, maybe you would say, I'm, I'm drawn to things that are beautiful. Johnny's list I disagree with, but... There are things that we're drawn to. What's beautiful would be a beautiful encounter. Like a beautiful moment with Jesus. A beautiful encounter where you encounter Jesus. Now I want to make a bold statement. I believe that if Jesus were to physically take like a walk with you. To take a a hike maybe. I think that I know what your kind of correspondence. I think I know the basic kind of high level tracking of the dialogue would be. I know what he would say. I know what you would say. I know what he would say back. I know what you would say. You're like, man, you don't know me. How do you, say, how do you know what my conversation with Jesus would be like? Because we're all human. And I know how humans talk to Jesus because Jesus showed us exactly what he would say to us if he took a hike. I want you to go on a hike with Jesus by looking in God's word. It happened. It happened on this day, matter of fact, in Luke 24, verse 13, a beautiful encounter. It says this. Now that same day, two of them we're going to a village called Emmaus, It's about seven miles from Jerusalem. It says that same day. You've got to know the day it's talking about. That same day is this same day. This This is the original, it's the OG. This is the day of the resurrection of our Lord. Luke 24, verse one, the ladies go to the tomb. Jesus is not there. They come back. Peter can't believe it. Peter runs to the tomb. Jesus isn't there. Peter walks home just amazed and marveled at like what's, what's happened. Has his body been hidden? Has his body been taken from us? This is that day. It is the day of the resurrection of our Lord. Two guys are on a road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And we know that this road is about seven miles long. Verse 14, it says they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Well, What's happened? Just just refresh yourself a little bit. The last week has been a crazy week. Jesus comes into town. Everyone says, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're praising him. A few days later, they're killing him. Maybe these two were there and saw it. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But they're talking about it. They know some details. And Jesus has been buried in the ground. And they're talking about this, verse 15, the encounter. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Whew. This is what I'm talking about. I was like, hey, imagine if we could go and take a physical hike, walk with Jesus. What would it be like? You're going to experience it. Verse 16 is real important, though. It says they were kept from recognizing him. There was something about Jesus. When they saw Jesus, they they didn't understand who he was. When, When God's words talks about recognizing Jesus, what it technically means is that you observe that he is the son of the living God. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and resurrected from the grave, proving that he has power over death so we can hope that he can have power when we die to resurrect us. That is the gospel. They did not recognize that. Here's what's great. When we don't recognize Jesus the way the Bible calls us to recognize Jesus, you know what Jesus does? He shows up. Jesus shows up on this seven mile hike, and here's what Jesus says. Verse 17 He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? Let me interpret for you. What's going on, man? What's happening? What are you doing? What are you into? What are you investing in? What's your business? What do you do for a living? Where are you going later? Can I go? You want to hang out? What's going on? You got Instagram? What's your handle? Geez, <laughs> he's, he's just getting up in your business. What's going on? What's happening? Come on, tell me, lay it on me. Lay it on me. A little intense for me. If I'm on the road, I probably would have said, hey, uh, we're going to walk over here. You walk over there. <laughs> right? Looking for another path. Jesus shows up and he just, this is, you're entering into a conversation with Jesus. And very much today, as we sit here, I believe that what Jesus has to say to these two guys on this hike, although we're not hiking, in your mind, get on a hike, okay? You're with Jesus. Here's what Jesus says to you. What's going on, man? What's going on today? I'm at church. He's like, I know that, I know that, but what's going on? What's going on? Okay. This beautiful encounter happens. It's seven miles is probably about two and a half hours if, you're not my family. If you're my family, uh, Finley wears the wrong shoes. No one brings water. And everyone's, everyone's going to stop and argue about every plant along the way. Like we're all on the Discovery Channel. It's eight hours. It happened in Tennessee. Let's never talk about it again. Fair? For these guys, Jesus has got about two and a half hours. And he asked this question, what's, what's going on? It's this beautiful encounter. What's keeping you from recognizing who Jesus is? Because he's showing up right now, and he's looking at you, and he's saying, what's going on? Well, there's a beautiful story. See, they're walking along, and the second part of verse 17 tells us this. Upon Jesus' question, what's happening now, they stood still, their faces downcast. They stood still. They stopped in their tracks at Jesus' question of, what's going on, man? Downcast. When someone's downcast, like you know, they're not chipper, they're not happy. You ever walk into a room and look at someone and be like, "Ooh, you're mad." How could you tell? Because the way you look, man. Right? You know what it's like when someone's just down. They're not up. Right? These guys are not recognizing Jesus, and they're downcast. They stop in their tracks, and this is exactly what happens when we talk to Jesus. Their faces are downcast, and one of them, upon Jesus's question of what's going on, one of them named. Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Again, let me interpret this for you. Just just get in it. Jesus comes up. What's going on, guys? They stop. They're downcast. Let's call him Cleo for short. Cleo looks up and Cleo's like, are you kidding me? Don't you know what's going on? Ain't you been around? Do you not have it? Are you not on? Do you have an iPhone? Like it's everything. Like this Amber Alert. Everyone knows what's going on. Like you live under a rock, man. And Jesus like, well, I recently rolled a big one away. (laughs) They don't recognize him, right? They don't recognize him. They don't know who they're talking to. This is exactly what happens to us. When Jesus shows up today in this moment and we're encountering him in this service and Jesus says, what's going on in your life? What's going on in your life? We look back at Jesus and we say, are you kidding me? You know what's going on. You know what's going on in my life, Jesus. You know exactly what's going on. And here's what Jesus says. When, when they ask him, like, are you, are you the only one? Jesus says in verse 19, what things? I think he says that to us. When we come back at him, and we're like, come on. You know what's going on. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Tell me. You tell me what's going on. He wants a dialogue with you on this walk. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, pause right there. This is, this is our dialogue. We're inserting what these guys say. It's like they are pulling the words from our mouths as Jesus comes up to us and says, what's going on? You know what's going on. No, 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 tell me. We say, well, Jesus, there was this guy. For them, it's only three days ago. For us, it's 2,000 years ago. His name was Jesus, and he was, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, and that's been duly noted and recognized by eyewitness testimony account. But we had a hope. This is what we say to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, man, we, we had a hope that you would change some stuff. We got problems. You're asking me what's going on. You know what's going on. I had hoped that all of this stuff in my life, I had hoped that you would have done something to change this because I don't like it. We kind of, I mean, Jesus like, whoa, we're just going on a walk, man. And we, we immediately dive in. And, oh, if you want to talk, Jesus, we got some expectations. We have some hope that's not fulfilled. Their hope. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this all took place. I mean, the similarities are striking, right? We've been waiting, Jesus. Verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came and told us what they had seen, that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but they did not see Jesus this is a beautiful story they don't see it all yet but it's a beautiful story but the story is still happening Right? We get to stand back and kind of look at it, and we know a few more details, but this is a beautiful story, and the, the similarities to me from these guys and their interactions with Jesus as this hike starts are incredible. We sat in here today, many of us, I mean I, I don't know if you guys know this or not about Easter, but did you know more people go to church on Easter than normal? Just putting it out there, Okay. Some people that come to church, you know, they come in thinking things like, okay, Jesus Christ. I'm going to think about him. It's Easter. Mom brought me. My spouse brought me. I'm here. Um, I think he was a a real person that lived. I'm pretty sure he did some things, you know. For 2,000 years, people have been looking for something written down on animal skin where it says, I really knew Jesus and he didn't do it. They ain't found it. What they did find last week was more Dead Sea Scrolls. From Ezekiel, that completely corroborate the other Dead Sea Scrolls, word for word for word. Once again, the archaeological record showing this, that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was the real deal. And everything that we stand on in scriptures is directly from God. And he desperately wants to communicate to you from it. It's so important. And I think these guys are saying, we just don't know. We had a hope, but we don't know. So here's where we're at. Jesus speaks now. Beautiful encounter, beautiful story, and I believe what comes next, it might be a weird word to you, but I think it's the appropriate word. There's a beautiful rebuke. Well oh, man, rebuke is like when someone like, slams down. Like, no, 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 no. Listen, a re- sometimes a rebuke is a, is a setting the, the record straight. It's a affirming of details and facts and bringing us to light of what's really going on. And it's a beautiful rebuke. These are not my words. This is what Jesus has to say to these guys. And I believe to some of us, as we come into this hike today, Jesus says in verse 25, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all the prophets, how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken, did not the Messiah, has to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Verse 27, school starts. Here it is. Jesus, like, goes to school. Beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And you talk about an amazing hike where Jesus is going to say, can I take a few minutes and just explain the entire Bible to you? (laughs) Right? Well, go ahead. He does. There's, there are well over, I mean, we look at somewhere around 600 biblical prophecies that say Jesus is going to be the son of God. He's going to be born. Many of these prophecies are over a millennia before the birth of our King. I can't tell you what I'm doing this afternoon or next week. Okay, I've got an iPhone and a calendar. I write stuff down. I still can't guarantee it. Yet somehow, because God is divine, he can tell us a thousand years from now where someone's going to be born and of who they're going to be born from because he's God. The Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy compiled by J. Barton Payne itemizes 127 of the Messianic predictions. 3,000 Bible verses that support those Messianic predictions saying Jesus is the verified, authentic Son of God. And these writings, thousands of years, hundreds of years before his birth, prove it. Over 574 of those verses speak to a personal relationship from a Messiah. This is what Jesus does with these guys on a hike. You want to walk with Jesus on a hike? It's a beautiful rebuke. I think he goes right back to Genesis, the first book in the Bible. And he says, can I, can I go to the beginning with you? Genesis 3.15 says the Messiah would be the seed, offspring of a woman. And that offspring would crush the head of Satan. I believe he says, hey, Cleo, let's go back to Genesis. Moses wrote the book of Genesis up on Mount Sinai as Moses is up there getting the law from God and spending 40 days with God. And he is chronicling this. And Jesus says, do you remember what's written in the book of the law? Right at the beginning, when man falls, this paradise lost moment, Adam and Eve sin, and we are separated from God. The most tragic thing that has ever happened in the history of humanity, we lost paradise. Jesus says, Cleo, even in that moment, God was telling you in his word that I was going to come and I was going to crush the head of Satan. Deuteronomy 18, 15, it's one of the first books. It's in the law. Moses wrote this. It says that he would be a prophet. This is the Messiah to come. He would be a prophet to whom God said, we must listen. You know, Moses brought God's people out of Egypt. You know that Jesus escaped to Egypt as a baby and then God brought Jesus out of Egypt. Do You think during his ministry time as an adult, in the Galilee, someone wasn't standing there going, man, this guy sounds a little bit like Moses. Do you remember that verse in Deuteronomy that says the Messiah that's gonna come is gonna speak with the authority of Moses, but he would be perfect? Moses sinned, Jesus did not. Second Samuel seven sixteen. It's during the time of the kings of Israel. A millennium before the birth of Christ says that he would have a throne, a kingdom, a dynasty, a house, starting with King David that will last forever. Over a thousand years before the birth of Christ, prophets are saying there is one that will come and he will be worshiped forever. On the night of the birth of our savior, angels broke up into the sky and they, they heralded that he is truly a king. And from the death, burial and resurrection of our Christ, the church has been meeting and has never stopped meeting. And we herald that Jesus Christ is a king. He has a kingdom that lasts forever. When we get to about 500 years before the birth of Christ, prophets, it just starts to heat up. And there is specificity. I mean, detailed, scary, spooky, crazy prediction information about exactly who the Messiah is going to be. This is what Jesus is doing in the talk. He's like, hey, Cleo, Cleo's friend. Do you guys remember Sunday school? Do you remember ever reading in Micah 5.2 that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. I've been to Bethlehem recently. It's a small town now. How many kids are born in Bethlehem? It seems like every time a boy's born in Bethlehem, there'd be a priest, a rabbi over there going like, hey, uh, you ever been to Egypt, right? Just checking. Isaiah seven fourteen, he would be born of a virgin. That's a, that's a pretty specific one. Imagine at Jesus' first miracle and they're all standing around and they're hanging out and it's like Jesus starts to turn water into wine and I would be scratching my head being like, wait a minute, he just did what? Were you born in Bethlehem? Uh-huh. Mary, did you were you saying earlier that you were a virgin when you had Jesus? We were all laughing. Uh-huh. He's, Jesus, hey Cleo, you putting it together, buddy? It's detailed information. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Zechariah 9, 9 through 10 says this. He would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, righteous and having salvation, coming with gentleness. Jesus is with Cleo and Cleo's buddy. They're walking. Jesus like, Hey, you remember last Sunday when Jesus came into town on a donkey? And everyone came out and said, Hosanna, is he who you comes in the name of the Lord. Cleo, do you remember when you were a little kid and you read Zechariah and you did the craft in Sunday school with the Messiah on a donkey and it looked just like me? You've been slow. You've been foolish. What about Isaiah 53, 5? It says that the Messiah would be pierced for our transgressions. I don't know if Cleo and Cleo's buddy were at the crucifixion or not. But I'll tell you what happened with that crucifixion. They put a sword into his side. Maybe a flashback just for a moment happened to Cleo. Just for a moment. It goes on to say that he would be crushed for our iniquities. That's a big word for sin. That Jesus would be crushed for our sin. Isaiah 53.9 says, this is crazy. 500 years before the birth of Christ, speaking about the Messiah. He would be killed. He would die among wicked ones but be buried with the rich. That's the prophecy. It's detail. You know how you know he's the prophet? Because when you see him die, like between two thieves, he'll die with wicked ones, and then he'll be put into a rich man's grave for a while. That happened. My favorite, Psalm 1610. He would be resurrected from the grave, for God would not allow his holy one to suffer decay. Psalm 1610. Psalms is the Old Testament songbook. Like, Cleo, do you remember the songbook? Do you remember that part where like, the, old, the, the Messiah is going to die and he's going to go into a grave, but God's not going to allow his body to stink of decay because God will not allow this, the Holy One to suffer that. Do you remember singing that song? Cleo, this walk that Jesus takes. It's a beautiful rebuke. It's a setting straight. He's using all of the scriptures to show that he is verifiably the Messiah, the Son of God. And what what happens is a beautiful awakening. Here it is. It's a beautiful awakening. Verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. That's just a little weird to me. Just pause right there. It's, a, it's been a little bit weird to me, and I've had to, like, wrestle through it. It's like, where, what was going to go on? Like, Jesus, he probably had other people to see. He, I don't think he's appeared to Peter yet, and Peter was like his BFF. Like, that's going to get awkward later, right? He's got to go and see Peter. So Jesus is like, I'm done. I think Jesus is done because this is a big deal. It's a mic drop moment. Jesus' beautiful rebuke is like, drop the mic. For this reason, It's done everything that we need in the conversation with Jesus on our collective hike in this room online right now, it's done. So what should that tell you? We have everything we need when we go and look at the prophets and the the book of the law and God's word pointing to Jesus. We've got all we need. Jesus like, you know, I'm done. My work here is done. Jesus has left the building. It's done, right? That's all we need. But they urge him strongly Stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So Jesus went in with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. Sound familiar? He broke it. And he began to give it to them. Verse 31. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared before their sight. It like, makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. You get like the eebie He's Like, what? That happened? This moment, just days before Jesus institutes this meal. He breaks the bread. Communion. I love that they saw him at the moment of communion. And when they, their eyes are opened and they recognize Jesus for who he is, the son of the living God who has been resurrected from the dead, he disappears. And that bread just hits the table. He's gone. There's a biblical theme of eyes open, eyes shut. When your eyes are shut, like these guys, you don't recognize Jesus for who he is, the resurrected Savior. When your eyes are shut, you're downcast. When your eyes are shut, you're probably leaving the place where you should have be. Jerusalem, Jesus said, don't leave, stay here. The spirit's going to come, the church is going to start stay here, and you're going someplace you shouldn't be going. This is biblically speaking what living with your eyes shut looks like. Some of us today were downcast. Our hope has been kind of taken from us. We don't have hope in the right things or anything. We're not recognizing Jesus as the son of the living God because we're not looking through the lens of the Bible to see him for who he truly is, God's word for you and your life. And you're walking to some no-name town where nothing's gonna happen. Like what errand were they running in? I mean, it's like, what, what was it? Like, well, I gotta go there. My brother's got a thing. And I don't, like, well, what are you doing, man? This is eyes closed living. You know what eyes open living is? Recognizing Jesus for who he is hope restored. See, when we recognize Jesus for who he is, we don't have to physically see him to tell other people about him. Come on. When we recognize Jesus for who he really is, we don't have to physically see him to worship him. When we recognize Jesus for who he is, we don't have to physically see him to respond to him. It's a wicked generation that says, I need something more. I need something more. Here's what Jesus did in his mic drop moment. Cleo, it's all you need right here. My word will speak loud to you. We looked at seven of them. There's over 600 things in the word of God that attribute that he is the Messiah. When you recognize Jesus for who he truly is, you do what these guys did. You run back to the church. Here's the ending of the story. It's a beautiful response. This is it. Beautiful response. Verse 32, my favorite verse in this entire text says this. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. We've been on the road with Jesus. You tracking with me? We've been on a hike. It's been a beautiful story, a beautiful encounter, a beautiful rebuke, a beautiful awakening. And our response needs to be what their response is. That bread hits the table, Jesus disappears, and they look at one another, and they're like, And then they say these words. Was your heart burning inside of you when you read who Jesus was, when you remembered the scriptures? We've been slow to believe. We've been foolish with some of the things that we know. And now our hearts are burning inside of us because we recognize who Jesus is. When you recognize who Jesus is, you also start to recognize when you're on the wrong road. So you know what they do? Verse 33, they got up right there and returned at once to Jerusalem. This is important. Some of us are on the wrong road and you need to recognize who Jesus is because you've been slow and you've been foolish and you gotta get up and get to Jerusalem. You gotta get to God's people. You gotta get the church. You gotta be about what's happening here. They returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. One question. Take a hike with Jesus and he gives a beautiful rebuke and he's like, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. And I have the question for you. Is your heart burning inside of you? That he is the one, that he is the Lord, that he is risen from the dead. Here's what you're going to get in this lifetime. I'm going to tell you what you're going to get for proof. You're going to get the word of God. That's the proof that we have. And it is the spirit of God and the spirit's job to hover over us, you at home, online, all of us in this room, and whisper into your ear, it's true. He is alive. Get up. Get up. Back to the church, be with my people, celebrate Him. Dear friends, because of God's beautiful faithfulness in your life, you can be here for a moment like this. There has been a plan for all eternity for a beautiful sacrifice. There have been so many beautiful prophecies that are all leading to a potential beautiful awakening for you. See, God sent his one and only beautiful son. And that son was born a beautiful, miraculous virgin birth. He lived a beautiful, perfect life. And because of his beautiful humility, He humbled himself, being God to come and live as us, to create this bridge to the Father. And because of that beautiful humility, we get to have a chance at beautiful obedience. He was beautifully obedient. We get to be beautifully obedient. And here's what that gives us. We have this opportunity right now, here, today, for a beautiful encounter of your own. You're hearing the beautiful story. The story of Jesus' beautiful death. The story and the testimony of his beautiful resurrection. Our hope is not dead. We have a beautiful hope. The hope of a beautiful salvation upon which you get a beautiful new heart. That's a new inclination. A new desire for new things because you're a new person. And it comes through beautiful brokenness. That's repentance. We've got to have beautiful brokenness that leads to beautiful redemption. This is beautiful truth. This can be your beautiful reality all because we serve a beautiful king. He's, he's made himself a beautiful substitution. He died once and for all, for all men's sin, so that you can be called righteous. That's a beautiful opportunity. It takes your beautiful surrender This is your time for a beautiful confession. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my personal Savior. That's a confession. It leads to beautiful repentance. This is your time for beautiful repentance. Jesus, I've sinned, all of sin, and fallen short of the glory of God. And you confess your sin, and he takes it. This is your time for obedience to a beautiful baptism. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what we get as we do these things, we get a beautiful indwelling of the Spirit of God that starts to talk to you and change you and mold a new life, a life that completely gives you a beautiful new life. You have this beautiful relationship, it's a beautiful victory. And don't be slow to hear this, don't be foolish with this moment because He is a beautiful groom. It's described as a marriage relationship. And all who have known him and put their hope in him, we are the beautiful bride. And one day we will stand together in eternity and we will all worship the beautiful one. Because your name, your name is victory. And all our praise will rise to Christ our King. So, Jesus shows up right now today and he says, Hey, what are you talking about? What's going on? What's going on in your life? What's happening in your life? One question, just like Cleo and his buddy, do you recognize them? What is stopping you from recognizing that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and he has beaten death? which means he can help you beat death so that you can rise up and say this. Your name, your name, it is victory. This beautiful story, it unfolds for this reason and in this way, scripture. Man, how do you have your eyes open? What is it that makes our eyes open? It is the word of God that declares. It's real. It's true. He really is the son of God. This is it. Mic drop moment. It's the word of God. And that helps us take our voices and say, your name, your name is victory. Church, in this story, in this actual account, Jesus' rebuke was this, you are slow. You are slow. You should have been up and running. You should have been coming to me. You've been slow. You've been foolish. Have you been slow? Have you been foolish with these things as God's word right now is saying to you, it's real. It's real. Are you ready with your voice to say, your name, your name is victory. When he disappears, here's what happens. They look at one another, and they say, was your heart burning inside of you? Was your heart just like pumping it? Come on, give me some heartbeat here. That's what I need. Was your heart burning inside of you? And here's their response. Here's their response to the Word of God and knowing who Jesus is and recognizing Jesus. They got up. They got on up. And they got back to church. And when they got with God,